Climate law matters. The unintended consequences of solar and insurer's perspective. Interview with Paul Reddington. Hello, listener, and welcome back to our podcast, Climate Law Matters, in which we explore the legal developments across different sectors to address the key issue of climate change. I am Steph David, a barrister at 39 Essex Chamber, specialising in environmental and climate change cases. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Paul Reddington, Regional Major Loss Manager at Zurich Insurance PLC. Paul, welcome to the show. Please can you tell the listener about your background and how you developed expertise in this area? Hi, Steph. Uh, thanks for inviting me, firstly. Yeah, I've been dealing with large property claims for about 23 years and have worked for a number of large insurers. And over that time, I've seen a pretty wide variety of claims, and in particular, fires. And one thing we do at Zurich is to look at trends, what we are seeing which may be different, and we feed that back internally, but crucially externally to our clients, so that they can hopefully better prevent and mitigate any underlying risks in their portfolios. So I understand that you've done quite a lot of work in respect of risks associated with solar panels from a property insurance perspective. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, and the concern is part of a wider campaign which looks to absolutely support and encourage green building related initiatives, but importantly to inform and educate on related risks, and particularly when it comes to fire. And it's called the unintended consequences of a sustainable world. And what we're emphasising is that we absolutely all need to embrace sustainability, but also resilience. So really somewhere safe to work or to live, but increasingly one which has green credentials, of course, which we're all aspiring towards. But we seem to be moving to a place, I think, where we might tick one box and not the other box of, say, having a sustainable, really green building, but one which isn't particularly resilient uh, to the normal perils that we see. And the goal, I guess, is to probably aspire to having them both in our building stock. So what we're seeing fundamentally is an increasing number of fires relating to these solar panel installations. I see. I mean, certainly then an interesting point to think about, isn't it? Resilience and sustainability, bringing the two together. And so just to kind of delve into that issue or that trend in a bit more detail, does the risk solely lie with the installation of solar panels on residential properties or do you see it elsewhere as well? Well, the claims we've seen so far have largely been related to residential properties. We say that the solar array roof mounted and we see that, don't we, as we drive around on domestic residences. But the risk is wider than that. I was seeing in the UK, as we know, a growing number of solar farms. You may have seen them yourself. So installations of hundreds of panels feeding either the grid or specific commercial facilities that they may be close to. So, so the concerns apply there as well. And what's interesting is that some customers are also advising us of solar car parks. So these are essentially car parks with solar canopies overhead, which in turn can supply power to charge electrical vehicles, another green initiative, of course. So it's a great idea with huge sustainability benefits. But again, we just need to understand the relevant risks. Uh, one of our own risk engineers visited one of these sites where the car parking staff didn't even know how to switch off the current if there was a fire. So of course, in that case, the risk is enhanced by the presence of the EVs as well, the electric vehicles, it's each one containing a lithium-ion battery. And of course, once caught up in a fire, that EV or those EVs can burn for quite some time. So I think the message is, for customers, we need to assess the whole risk and beyond just the solar panel array. And as I say, we mostly see solar panels on roofs, but what's the roof made of? Placing a PV panel on a combustible roof, you may risk a big fire. 
and subsequent damage. And there's very little you can probably do, actually, if the fire were to take hold. And what's important is that building regs don't currently make any attempt to regulate PV panels on combustible roofs, even for fences like care homes, would you believe? So finally, I guess one example with a recent school installation we were advised of, it was a proposal to cover almost the entire combustible flat roof with PV panels. And actually, we've insisted on a fire protective barrier between the panels and the roof itself. So just a few points there in terms of some of the prevailing risks beyond the normal domestic roof that we see. Yeah, well, sorry, a lot in that, and we can unpick it throughout this episode, particularly as you say, what the regulation might do to deal with that risk, as well as thinking of it from an insurance perspective. But just in terms of the actual scale of the problem, maybe thinking about it on a kind of national scale, how big a problem is it? Yeah, I mean, industry shots are quite hard to come by, so we don't have necessarily that kind of bigger picture data that's still being formulated. But as I say, we are definitely seeing a number of these fires, and what's important is the brigade tell us they're not that easy to fight as well. So they're seeing more than two and they're quite tricky to deal with. So one thing which is often not thought about is the weight of the panels means there's a threat of early roof collapse in a fire, which actually would be most concerning to fire officers that might be trying to fight it because a fire often spreads laterally and the blaze is often under the supporting stanchions, which kind of support the panels. So if you can imagine extinguisher water kind of bouncing off. So that's an issue. So the other thing to mention, I guess, is the assemblies also include plastics and highly combustible materials. And of course, if there's a live current still to the panels, that's an issue too. So so as I say, numbers, perhaps in terms of that overall picture, not easy to come by, but we're seeing more of it. And there's some of the challenges really in terms of practically dealing with the blazes when they occur. As you say, I mean, it sounds like it isn't just an issue with the solar panels themselves, it's the whole structure in which they're sort of integrated in many ways. I mean, just again, from an insurer's perspective, have you seen any trends emerge in respect of what the kind of principal causes might be? Yeah, if there's a trend, it's that many of the fires that we see are electrical in nature. I think that's that's really important to emphasise. I guess the perception may be that perhaps the sun's intensity means the panels get too hot and can ignite. And I'm not saying that's not an issue in certain cases, but that's not the issue in most cases that we see. Um, it tends to be more the connections to the panels that's the problem and could give rise to the ultimate ignition. I see, that makes sense. Are there any other risks from solar panels that you're concerned about? Yeah, well, I think the electrical risk is key to mention, really. And as I say, many of those fires are electrical in origin and involve arcing between conductors within sort of defective or poorly installed components. And we're seeing what you call ground faults, which is like a precursor to an arcing fault. The researchers identified other components on systems that could be a fire risk, like DC connectors. And quite simply, many PV fires are simply caused by failures to make cable connections properly in terms of the electrical installation stage, because each panel comes with a factory pair of leads, which then need to be installed properly, and sometimes they're not. So I suppose you need to question the skill of the operative or the qualified electrician that's doing it, because otherwise you get this overheating problem that we see. It's interesting that I was advised by one expert that dealt with a new property, so a new build with a solar panel array, and they found that 60% of the PV connections were poorly made, and one had actually already caught fire, albeit not severely. So yeah, it shows you the kind of issues which are occurring. And using a, a certified member of a, a micro-generation scheme doesn't necessarily guarantee quality because often the wiring is subcontracted. So as I say, that's often the weak link, if you like, in terms of the procurement. And these definitely need to be looked at. Just explore that a bit further then. So just to start with, what is arcing? So that's where you get a resistive heating fault, which then causes an ignition within electrical cabling if it's not properly made. 
So that's the issue often in these fires. I see. And then just in terms of electrical fires, why are they particularly concerning? Because they're very hard to control or even know you've got a problem. So it's not that evident. You can look at electrical installation and think it's well made and it's absolutely fine. I guess the question is who looks at it and who signs off that installation? That's one of the challenges. But yeah, these things can lie dormant. So it's kind of a latent issue which might come back and bite you much later on, sometimes months or years later when the installation's firmly in place and you think it's operating perfectly normally. So it's not something that happens instantaneously on commissioning. It can happen later on. So that's often the case with electrical fires, not just in PV arrays. And that must give rise to challenges around causation as well. It does, yeah. And then just to break it all down then, so you obviously talked about the risks arising at different stages, so the kind of manufacture stage and then the installation stage. When are we thinking about how you mitigate those risks? I mean, what has Zorik been looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of mitigation, I mean, solar panel installation is seen as a good market to get into. You've got lots of new installers coming on stream. And I think the message is the cheapest quote isn't necessarily always the best quote. So sometimes the too good to be true analogy applies. It's the same with doing anything for your house, if you like. But we're thinking that some firms are kind of cutting margins to win work. It's a competitive industry. And then, of course, they risk that they use substandard labour or parts. So I think the message is proper specification design and quality fulfilment needs to be part of any procurement decision, whether it's your decision as a householder or a commercial procurement process for a contractor. And I think given the current energy crisis, the demand for these products is only going to increase. We can expect cowboy builders, perhaps, and others and installers to enter the market as a result, selling cheap panels, fitting them poorly. And we saw something similar, actually, with the home insulation grants from lowering play with contractors filling cavity walls where the cavity was perhaps there for a reason. So, yeah, it's just having an awareness of the current issues and doing your due diligence, really, in terms of who does the installation for you. Just on that, are there any kind of accreditation bodies or you can look for installers that are accredited by a particular organisation or entity? Yeah, I mean, at present, solar PV products themselves must meet UK quality assurance standards, which is reassuring. But I think the crucial point is there's no robust regulation in respect of installation. So whilst accrediting installers are out there, and of course are recommended, there is an argument that the customers need to be better protected by regulation. And it may be that greater controls are required to ensure appropriate installation by the reputable installers and then ensure also minimum maintenance requirements because maintenance is also important as well. Otherwise, as I say, people will see claims much later and the industry will as well, much after the installation has been put in place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it ties really to my next question, which is what legal developments are required to address or mitigate the risk? Yeah, there is. I mean, it's not so much legal barriers as such, but there's more that can be done in terms of training, accreditation and the mandating of requirements around installation. So in February 2023, there was an updated code of practice for recommendations of fire risk prevention in UK solar systems. And it's something we at Zurich absolutely support and endorse. And I think the challenge, though, is that as an industry, it's a best practice and none of it's compulsory and enforced by that regulation I mentioned. And as far as I'm aware, there's no officially approved training course or specialist qualification for installers to prove that competence, if you like, in installing PVs. And many competence training courses have actually been scrapped due to lack of backing or enforcement of competence management. So the default position is that any PV installer or subby needs only to be trolled to the 18th wiring regs, 7671, which means anyone with that qualification, regardless of their experience of fitting these things, can install them on anyone's home or business. 
So I think it just shows that there's more rigor needed around training accreditation and fitting. And it's something which we're certainly calling for. And do you see any kind of particular legal barriers to change, so to bringing in those regulatory requirements? I don't think there are legal barriers as such. I think it's just really, one, creating the awareness of the problem, which this podcast helps do, and then speaking to stakeholders, which we do as as Zurich in terms of our public affairs remit, in terms of telling regulators and government really what's going on out there, and and really being a spokesbody for our customers, because they're absolutely crucial in this. So we're pushing for more regulation and rigour around it, really, just to keep everybody safe and avoid some of the fires that we're seeing. Yeah, and I tie this then back to, I say, your perspective as an insurer. How is this particular risk impacting upon insurance contracts, do you think? I mean, I think it's important to say that we absolutely support the drive towards sustainable energy sources and reducing our reliance on the more traditional sources. Uh, and that includes supporting the development of solar power, which is a positive thing. So I guess all we're saying really is that as an industry and at Zurich, is it's important to understand the current risks as they are at the moment which may exist, advising our customers of those risks as well, which is part of our role at Zurich. And in the absence of better regulation, which we're pushing for, it's important that clients really vet contractors properly, look at the scope of work, so ensure the installation is properly installed and checked before it's in use. And then, as I say, make sure it's maintained afterwards, because sometimes that's missed. And so that's an equal part of solving the problem. Thank you very much for your time today, Paul. You've certainly given us a huge amount of food for thought. No, thanks very much for inviting me, Steph. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.